Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bees Knees Podcast. We're your hosts, Ben and Brittany, and if you haven't already, please download this episode. And make sure to check out the link in the description where you can find links to our socials, Discord, and merch. Happy listening. So do you ever just have like, phases of interest? Such as, like, okay, so <laughs> this, very vague. This is a, a more common thing for me because I have ADHD, so I kind of have, I go in and out of, like, hyper-focuses on things, mm-hmm. fixations. Yeah. Um, but lately, you and I both have been super into tea. Yeah, well, I have tried many, many times to enjoy tea because I know that it's good for you. Like, it has a lot of nutrients and yeah. things to help you with, like, both your metabolism and your skin and all those things, your energy. So, I've tried and tried and tried to enjoy tea, and I've failed. There have been a couple that I've enjoyed. <laughs> But I don't stick with it. It's not something I have on a regular basis. And then recently, I'm like, it was actually, it was prompted by a friend gave me some tea for for Christmas. And one of my coworkers is always giving me tea. And I don't know why. She's always (laughs) just like, oh, I have this tea. I think you might like it. And she gives it to me. And I'm just like, oh, thanks. And I don't have the heart to tell her, like, I'm not really a tea drinker. Because I'm just like, oh, you thought of me. We had a drawer full of so much tea that has just been gifted to you yeah so i and i just don't have the heart to tell people that like i'm not really into tea like i drink a lot of coffee and water and that's pretty much all i drink and so anyway christmas i got two boxes of tea from a friend and i was like well let's try it It was to help promote healthy sleeping and relaxation and stress relief and stuff and i always have issues sleeping so i'm like yeah sure i'll try this tea and i actually really enjoyed it and so then that continued the whole yeah. tea thing. And the next thing you know, I'm having like three cups of tea a day. And see, I was I kind of got in on this kick with you. And I drank all of my tea. And all I had left was just like this giant box that we had of Earl Grey tea. Yeah, because about two years ago, I, yeah, tried old Earl, Earl I, Grey tea. I tried Earl Grey tea. And, uh, and Tim Hortons actually, I think last year, or maybe it was two years ago, I don't know, they introduced the London Fog. So I tried that and I really enjoyed that. And, uh, and I just, I don't know what it was about, about, uh, Earl Grey tea. I tried to actually switch that in the morning instead of coffee because it had caffeine in it. And I yeah. was like, oh, well, this is probably better for me than coffee, especially because at that time I was still eating a lot of sugar. And so I had like two spoons of sugar in my tea, which or in my coffee, which now is like gross. How did I ever drink that coffee flavored syrup? But <laughs> so I was drinking my Earl Grey tea and I, I always had it black. And so I'm like, this has to be better for me than my sugar filled coffee that I always have. But I also really liked it. I felt like the the smell, it remind the smell and the taste both remind me of Fruit Loops. And I like that. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, and more so now, I just had another London Fog the other day. And I taste it. I'm like, yeah, it, it does. It tastes like it Fruit tastes Loops. like Fruit Loops. Well, I guess Fruit Loops are really sugary as well. So if you have a high sugar diet and then you drink some Earl Grey, then maybe you won't get the Fruit Loop feeling sensation that I do. <laughs> but have us not really having much sugar anymore... I drink it and smell it, and it it's like the memory of Fruit Loops, I guess. It's not actually 
Fruit Loops, but it has a Fruit Loop kind of, I don't know, feeling about it. Earl Grey The memory of Fruit Loops. Tastes like the memory of Fruit Loops. It does. <laughs> we like talking about movies and TV or TV and movies because we're the bee's knees. Oh, yeah. So speaking of tea and things we've been super into lately, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is such an excellent segue, um, there there is a phenomenal British program called Gogglebox. Yeah. That over the last two weeks we have watched so much of mm-hmm. because we were sitting at home, we had excess time to watch TV. Yeah. And we were just looking for something, and out of nowhere. You're like, no, what about Gogglebox? <laughs> Which I don't even remember that interaction at all. <laughs> I, I just, one day we just were watching it and I was like, okay. <laughs> and, and then we didn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't stop. It was just like, oh, kids are in bed. And then Gogglebox just magically appeared on the TV every day. And it was amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, Gogglebox is great. I'm. It's one of the things that I have to give all the credit to facebook and i don't do that for hardly anything (laughs) that's a super odd thing to say (laughs) i'm thankful to facebook for this reason don't don't say that too much or else meta will come for you (laughs) um it so how it actually happened was i'd say maybe three ish years ago I'd say it has yeah because we've been in a freaking pandemic for two years now it was what is time plus years ago no yes anyway no it wasn't five plus because our youngest is six and I know that she was at least in daycare doesn't matter at one point (laughs) okay at one point in time in the past (laughs) (laughs) I was scrolling through Facebook and uh, it was shortly after Facebook introduced their video section, trying to stay relevant and compete with YouTube. And it was like, hey, we think you might enjoy this. And it was Gogglebox. And I was like, I don't know what exactly it was showing that grabbed my attention, but something did. I clicked on it and it was just a compilation video of all the best moments of Gogglebox at that time. And so I'm watching it and I'm like, this is freaking hilarious. Yeah. And this was after we had already watched, um, we'd already watched In Betweeners probably twice, three times <laughs> straight through. We watched Cuckoo. Um, we like British humor. So I was just like dying. And I was like, Ben, you have to come see this. And I just remember after that moment, we spent the entire afternoon. Next thing you know, we're like, oh, crap, we have to make dinner. What are we having for dinner? And then after that, we went straight back to it. Facebook eventually ran out of things to show me. <laughs> so I went to YouTube and started watching it there. And that was the one and only day that I watched Gogglebox. And I fell in love with it, but I never revisited it. But those people live in my heart with me. <laughs> they're like my they best. in my soul. They're like my best friends that don't know I exist. But I think about them and their well-being on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's probably a lot of people who don't know what Gogglebox is. And that's fine. We didn't either. But now is your time to dive into the deep, deep hole that is Gogglebox. Yeah, it's so much better 
than what like the other content that's similar to this is that's out there because it's basically just reaction videos when you think about it yeah like it's in, but instead of an influencer or a famous YouTuber. It's just regular people. It's just regular people sitting at home, watching TV, having snacks, and reacting to the programs that they're seeing. Just delightful little British families just having fun, watching TV, reacting, and just like having a laugh. And the the worst and the best part about this is that because it's in, it's in England, yeah. they have programming that we don't necessarily know what it is there are some things that they show them that we do know like the circle is a Mm -hmm. reality tv show that we're aware of we've never seen it but we know it about its existence and after seeing the episodes with it i don't want to i have no desire to see it (laughs) but there are also some dramas that are big over there that we don't i've never even heard of Uh and the worst part about the show is that we only see a very small clip of them reacting to it and they'll show us kind of a clip of what they're seeing that they're reacting to and some of those scenes are like really compelling like i want to know more about this story but i have no idea what the show is and i have no idea what the rest of the story is i've just seen this little clip and then they move on i'm like wait i want to know what happens (laughs) take me back to that program the only time i can remember that like happening for me is that one uh Things like the bodyguard mm-hmm. with the guy who's in the Eternals and Game yeah, of Thrones and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And like I'd watch that, but uh, I can't think of any other shows that have have captured my attention. There like were that. a couple for me, but I didn't know what they were called. And now at now they're, they're re- looking gone. back, I, yeah, I don't remember what they were even about. So this week when I was uh, I was like getting ready to play D anD D, like we were all just like joining into the Discord to get ready to to you know, start the session. Mm-hmm. I was saying like, yeah, this week I, uh, like we hung out, we did this, we watched a whole lot of goggle box and they were all just like, what is that? So I tried to explain what it was. I was just like, it's just a bunch of regular people watching TV and doing exactly what we've just said. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, that sounds great. I, I want to watch that. I'm like, yeah, do it. But, uh, Make sure you have lots of time because you're gonna want. You're not gonna want to stop. It sucks you in. Like you just you fall. You feel like you're on the couch with these people and you're laughing with them and you want to chime in and make a joke with them, and you can't. Well, you can, but they can't hear you. (laughs) I like to imagine that they can hear me though, and like we're best buds in your dreams. (laughs) So speaking of D and D, I I have some feelings and things I want to talk about this week. Okay. Number one, the Legend of Vox Machina, the animated. TV show on Amazon Prime that is based off of Critical Role, the online mm-hmm. real play D&D thing. Yeah. It's finally out. It's felt like an eternity since their Kickstarter ended. They went like $9 million past their budget mm-hmm. or like their wanted goal. goal. Yeah. Which is amazing. Now, with all of the excitement in it. The first two episodes are purely for the people who backed them. And they kind of fall short for people who didn't or don't know what it is. Yeah. Because they're very fast paced and you don't really have the attachment to the characters because it kind of presumes you've watched 400 hours worth. Yeah. There's no introduction or anything. It's just... 
whatever you already knew them to be in the campaign and just assumes that you know them. So they throw in like a lot of really crude jokes and humor that for me not having followed it just seem out of place and thrown in for the sake of being there. Where you, you know the characters and you know what they're like and you know why they're saying these things and you know Mm -hmm. their development as characters and why they would behave in that way. Where I just see it as just crudeness just because. (laughs) Which, uh, honestly, is kind of what it is. (laughs) It's just, it kind of has that like charm to it when you know the characters that have just always been crude just because. Mm. Yeah. I found it distasteful. I don't disagree. It's so like the first two episodes you could probably skip if you didn't watch the like the streams. Um, but starting with the third episode, which is there's only three out, and then it's going to be released weekly or something like that. Um, it's going to be a fantastic arc. There's vampires and family tragedy and shenanigans. It's I'm I'm so excited and the third episode which is conveniently the one you didn't see mm-hmm. it is so much better the the pacing of it because it is one big story over like 10 episodes yeah rather than a, a similarly big story in an hour mm-hmm. it has that time to kind of give the characters depth and kind of like the nuances to make you feel something for them and like why do I care about each character right you kind of get that with it and it's it's looking to be pretty great uh I recommend it even <laughs> if you haven't seen the the stream of critical role start at episode three yeah I I don't know because I watched episode one and two and I was just underwhelmed and like seeing you very excited about all this thing and laughing at the jokes and everything and I'm sitting there like that wasn't really funny or that didn't seem to have any purpose (laughs) to the story what the hell is happening it turned me off and I didn't that's why I didn't watch episode three is because I was just like I just wasted an hour of my life watching the first two episodes and I wasn't impressed and I have no desire to see what happens next. So I feel like if you don't follow Critical Role, then maybe if you aren't jaded by the first two episodes like I was, then starting at episode three might be compelling enough to make you want to watch it. Maybe this week I'll show you episode three and we'll just kind of go from there. Because it's not even that I don't have D&D knowledge. We've played D&D many times. Yeah. We've done several campaigns together. So it's not even that I'm not familiar with the game or the world or anything like that, which is why I find it kind of strange that I was really just, I don't know, turned off by the show. Yeah, I feel like the transition from like a tabletop RPG into a show, like there's like seven main characters ensemble shows are very hard when you're just thrown into it mm-hmm. like look at the boys they introduced a character each episode right or insert any other well-received ensemble show it takes time to build that up and yeah. when you're just thrown into it within the first hour to com- 
introduce and conclude a whole storyline. Well, and to be fair, one character was introduced in the middle of just womanizing a barkeep's daughter. Yeah. And so that was just very, like, out of place, distasteful. Like, let's throw in some animated nudity because we can, is how it felt for me. It didn't feel like it did anything for the character. I didn't feel attached to the character. I didn't feel like I understood the character anymore. It was just like, it seemed like it was like, here's tits because, you know? Yeah. And to be honest, the where that character started was just that. <laughs> like the game started as just a like a birthday present to one of the guys. Like, hey, let's all get together and do just a one shot of D and D. So the one guy was like, "I've never played D and D. What's the dumbest character I could be?" Right, a gnome bard that just sexes everything up. So he started out just that. Okay. He does get a lot more depth. And I'm hoping it shows that in the rest of the, the rest show. of this show, because all of them have very rich character arcs. And this one is based off of, like around uh, one of them. It's his main story arc and mm-hmm. the rest are kind of just like accent pieces. So I hope it kind of follows with that. And it's mostly him and they're just there to push the story along. Right. And then no doubt there's going to be more seasons because it's like the hugest D&D thing. Yeah. So you best stick around for it because there's <laughs> going to be more and I'm going to make you watch it. Oh, goody. My next D&D thing. Um, so I have joined an online D&D game. I'm having a blast. But uh, I used to DM for you, my brother, some other people periodically. Yeah. Um, and... I've kind of missed it. Mm-hmm. So the other day we were watching some children's shows with the kids and one show came on and it's a uh, Kipo and the wonder beasts or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I got a hundred percent inspired to create my own D and D world based off this show. Yeah. So man, the amount of time I've sunk speaking of ADHD hyperfixations. <laughs> the amount of time I have sunk into making this post-apocalyptic animal people world. So if anyone wants to play, let me know. Yeah, like your the amount of time that you have spent in general hyper fixating on anything D&D related. I don't know how many D&D characters you've made just to put in a book just because. Yeah. You're just like, here's a character sheet. This is the character I made. This is their backstory. This is why they would do this thing if give, put in this scenario. And I'm like, hey, why? <laughs> For fun. Oh, okay. I'm happy that you're enjoying Listen, yourself. Listen, when you say it out loud, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I have fun doing it. <laughs> I have so many characters and potential characters, but I just don't have the resources to play like, them all. Especially when we were playing... You and your brother would just be making background upon background upon background characters. And I'm like, why? Like, you'd be like, oh, I'm helping my brother make this character. He already has a character, though. We've been playing for how many months now? And he's been this character. Yeah, well, you never know. He could die. Are you planning on killing him? No, but you never know. It's always good to have a backup. And I'm like, you guys are freaking insane. You would even, (laughs) you would even make me 
think of potential background characters. And I am very, like, I'm probably not the best player because I get very attached to my character. And if if she is ever in danger, I get very, very upset. The one day you were telling me about your D&D campaign and how you thought that people were going to die because of something that you had done yep. in that encounter. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking back to when we used to play and how if anything kind of went that way where it wasn't like we would start off with a plan, we'd be role playing. Okay, this is how it's going to happen. We're going to say this. I'm going to roll for this. And, and you know, it's it, it'll work out, whatever. Someone would go off script, off the plan and be like, oh, I'm going AWOL. I'm going to try this thing. I'd be like, you what? <laughs> I don't, I, you remember this. I would roll excellent for just checks, Social right? encounters. Yes. Survival checks. As soon as you got into combat. Shit. <laughs> I couldn't hit anything. I'd swing and a miss all the time. If I did hit, I'd be like, oh, finally. My turn isn't wasted. I get to hit this thing. It would immediately be followed up by like one damage. I'd be like, oh, good. <laughs> like I just poke them or something i don't know (laughs) and and so it was so frustrating if ever my character got into a dangerous situation where i thought they might die because i was like i am not like you where i can just pick up a new character and be like all right i'm just gonna be this backup character i've got loads of them (laughs) so whenever you'd be like hey have you ever thought of this combination of character no why (laughs) because you better not freaking kill my character or i'm done (laughs) (laughs) So I guess it's time to talk about Daredevil, because that's what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll admit I've been kind of pushing this off for as long as I could, <laughs> because we're talking about episodes seven and eight tonight. Episode seven is about stick. And I'll be honest, I don't care at all about this adaptation portrayal of stick. Yeah. I just, I find the the actor annoying. Just the way the character is presented, like, I just... There's two characters in the show I don't care about. It's Stick and the reporter guy. Ben. Yeah, can be, right? <laughs> but uh, this just happens to be a very Stick-heavy story in this episode. And it was hard for me to kind of get attached at yeah. all to the episode. Well, and like we've noticed, there's been a pattern in how they organized their episodes, right? Mm-hmm. If it's not an episode that's very Fisk and Matt Murdock right close together showing the parallels within one episode, they'll do one that's very Matt Murdock heavy and then one immediately follows that shows the parallel and almost is identical to the previous episode, but from Fisk's standpoint. It's it's kind of spooky how that... Like, I never noticed the first yeah, time we watched it how neither. this season it shows how similar they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so, like you said, in episode seven, we have, it's very stick heavy because stick is the one who trained him in his skills. That's how we came to have daredevil. No, allegedly he trained him. He trained him for like what? A couple months. Yeah. I don't know. And then he just took off. And he bailed. Yeah. I'm not really sure how much training it actually had happened. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it seemed like in the flashbacks, it was a lot of just abuse. <laughs> uh, but it also helped 
young Matt work through a lot of his personal guilt that he was hanging on to with regards to his father's death. Yeah. So I feel like that was holding him back and he was kind of giving himself a pity party like, what was me? I have no dad. I have no mom. I'm in this orphanage. I'm blind. Like someone take pity on me. And Stick is just like, no one feels sorry for you. So get the F up and yeah. get your shit together, kid. Yeah. No if, one cares. If there was anything that Stick did rather than training him, it was just pick him out of his slump and get him aimed in the right direction. Yeah. And kind of just make him aware of how much he can see without seeing. Yeah. Is where he was actually helpful. The rest of it, I don't know. You do see a little bit about his training, like his physical training, his fighting training. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it did just seem like Stick was just, you know, playing whack-a-mole with him, just constantly <laughs> just like beating him down. And he'd get up and he'd beat him down and he'd be like, get up, kid. What the fuck? And the kid would be like, I'm a Murdoch. We yeah. never give up. <laughs> and he gets back up and is like, good training, I yeah. guess. And then in the end of the episode, we see his own personal training having taken him to the next step, and he is able to beat Stick in his little mm-hmm. apartment confrontation. Right. And it kind of shows that, like, the the master has become the mastee. Yeah. For now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, it was quite impressive to see these two blind dudes just, like, kick the shit out of each other. Yeah. Um, and then that episode ends with the back of this big guy and fit or not fisk um stick is going on and on and on well when the war comes when the war comes and he never explains that and murdoch is always just like what do you what war are you talking about you crazy old man there's no war yeah and then we see him kind of reporting back to some i guess whoever who whoever stick reports back to some higher powerful being whatever he was whoever he is yeah we see the back of him and wondering like oh is matt gonna is Matt going to stand up when the time is right? And Stick's like, I don't know. <laughs> and we, I don't have any memory yeah. of that character Same. at all. So I have no idea what the we're The only thing for. I can guess is that it is somebody from The Hand, which is like the ninja organization. Mm-hmm. Likely. And we will get Electra soon, right? Yeah. And that's probably all from the same kind of storyline as well. Yeah. Then in episode eight, we have a lot less... Matt Murdock and more Fisk. We have the opening scene of Fisk. He's having a nightmare. He gets up and he stares at his painting that he got from Vanessa. And then he is getting ready in his giant walk-in closet. And there's a big mirror and he sees a reflection and it's him as a kid just like splattered blood all over him. And then it goes to the opening credits. And we're like, what is happening? (laughs) What the hell is up with that kid? (laughs) What the hell is up with the kid? Why is he so bloody and messy and i guess we're gonna find out why fisk is the way he is and we do and he's brought up by a really abusive arrogant egotistical father who beats on his mom and is constantly putting him down emotionally making him do things that he doesn't want to do like he forces him to drink some alcohol he criticizes his workmanship when he's getting the posts cut to do his dad's campaign then his dad forces him to kick this kid while he's down, beating the crap out of him. Yeah. And then we find out why that painting that he got from Vanessa is so important to him is because his dad used to make him sit and stare at a wall. And the wall had like some textures to it, which is very similar to the painting that he now has beside his bed that he wakes up to with his night terrors and just stares at. 
And um, he's a deeply troubled man. <laughs> yeah, and we find out he killed his father, which is why in the opening scene we see him covered in blood as a child. And so again, we see both of our characters here, like both Matt Murdock and Fisk, encountered a lot of abuse and trauma in their childhood, and how they came to overcome it in their own ways. Yeah, and it really shows the similarity, both coming from that kind of background mm -hmm. and where they differ right because daredevil matt murdoch came out of it kind of with mercy and a sense of justice yeah whereas kingpin came out of it with violence yeah but he wants he wants to make sure that he isn't just being brutal for the sake of being brutal he's not a monster is kind of his running theme. Like, I'm not cruel for the sake of being cruel. I'm not a monster. That's, like, a repetitive yeah. thing that he's saying, and he says it to Vanessa a lot. And the other thing I noticed when comparing the two episodes is in episode seven, where it's focused mostly on Matt Murdock, you see that, like, he doesn't really have anyone. And Stick has sort of told him people and things are just distractions. You don't need them. If you have them, if you indulge in that life, then you're an idiot, basically. <laughs> like, you shouldn't have an apartment. You shouldn't have nice sheets. Like, what the heck, man? You shouldn't have a woman here. Like, what are you thinking? Those are just distractions. If you want to be great, you need to ditch that stuff. And uh, in Fisk's episode, we see how much he relies on Vanessa. Mm -hmm. And he has someone where Matt has no one. And, like, you could argue that he is foggy and he has um, Karen. Karen. I always forget. How do I always forget her name? But I always forget <laughs> her name. But not really because they don't, they aren't involved in that part of his life. Yeah. So when it's that aspect of his life, he has no one. For a very small amount of time, he had Claire and lost her. Whereas Fisk is right open with Vanessa. He admits, I killed my dad. I wear these cuffs. Because I want to remind myself that I am not being cruel for the sake of cruelty. I'm not a monster like he was. And she's just like, it's not your fault. You were protecting your mom. You're not a monster. You're a great guy. Whatever. And the other thing I noticed this time around watching, Fisk is in all black. And we usually see him in all black. That's not uncommon. Mm -hmm. But Vanessa is in all white. And this isn't the first time we've seen her in all white either. And he's having this emotional breakdown. He throws his tantrum, flips a table, is yelling at at his whatever that guy's name is. His little bitch. <laughs> and then she comes in and he even kind of yells at her. and is like, I need you to leave. And she's like, if that's what you want, of course, it's not what he wants. So they have their emotional moment. And I was like, it's kind of, it's the balance that he needs in his life, right? Yeah. Her being in white, him and being in black, it's creating that balance that he needs and she's his kind of his voice of reason and his reassurance and she brings him from an, a moment of anger just seeing red out of control and she brings him back down to where he can actually be methodical in his thinking and mm -hmm. rational in his own way yeah and then the next the next scene we see them they had spent the night together he wakes up in a terror he looks at his painting like he normally would but then rolls over and seeks comfort in Vanessa's company. Then there, she's picking out his outfit for a press conference. 
and she picks out a gray suit which again i pointed out was like oh see like it's that balance thing he's wearing black she's wearing white put those together you got gray it's i, I don't know there's I, some sort of symbolism there. yeah so I, I pointed that out. I was like, maybe it's nothing. Maybe I'm overanalyzing it. But I thought that was neat. And then she picks out different cufflinks yeah. for him, which I thought was really symbolic because she doesn't think he needs that reminder in the cufflinks that he's not a monster because now she has him. I also think that that scene showed a lot of him opening up to partnership mm-hmm. because it's always just been him. He is in charge. He's making the decisions. Yeah. But then he relinquished the control of his outfit. Yeah. His public appearance. Yeah, which which is really important to him. To her. Mm -hmm. So that was also a pretty big thing for him. Yeah. And then how frustrating was that, though, that Matt Murdock finally convinces Ben, reporter guy, to, you know, reveal his name. The one thing that he does not want anyone to know. Let's take that from him. Let's not let him linger in the shadows anymore. We're going to shine a light right on him and reveal who he is to the world. And literally as Ben is typing this all out, you know, we're going to reveal him. He can't <laughs> live in the shadows. Who is this guy? If he if he has nothing to hide, he should come out and just embrace it. And Cute as that's happening, <sighs> it's like Fisk is reading the article himself he's like i'm not gonna stay in the shadows any longer i have a dream for this city and like yeah and he's just he, coming out just speaking to everything that he's about to be written exactly be written in the article ben's just like well delete <laughs> and then it ends with matt murdoch having this a similar tantrum that we saw Fisk having earlier in the episode. He throws his laptop off the table, kind of yells a bit, is panting, like he's enraged, rightfully so. But also I thought that was really kind of funny how we've seen both these men have their mantrums and and it's another just way that they're similar. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Like at this point, I don't really remember how this season ends. I remember all three seasons kind of on the whole. So I remember nothing kind of the culmination of where it's going. Cause you can kind of foresee them butting heads. Yeah. I do remember a really brutal fight scene between the two of them, like bits and pieces of them just kicking the crap out of each other. And I remember that only because as we were watching it, I really thought like our hero isn't going to win. And but I don't remember anything else. The context of what was happening, I don't remember what came out of the fight. I just remember it was a bloody mess. <laughs> well, we're gonna get there soon. But in the meantime, if there are any other striking similarities between Daredevil and Kingpin, let us know in the Discord. Let us know on Instagram. You know where to find the link. Thank you all so much for joining us this week at the Bees Knees Podcast. If you haven't already, please download this episode. And don't forget to recommend us to a friend. We will talk to you next week. Mm